27. If you have your Bibles and want to follow, or you can follow along on the screen. Proverbs 27, verses 6 through 9. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The full soul loatheth a honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. And so we're going to talk about being a good friend and faithful wounds, and that a good friend will be honest with you. We need to be honest with our friends, we need to be honest to anybody, but you surely should be honest. It's expected that we would be honest with our friends. Let's pray for the lesson this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your word and, Lord, for the example that you set of being a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, a friend that loveth at all times, a faithful friend, and, Lord, who is always honest. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and we praise you today. Help us to receive this word today that we can be better, that we can be better uh, serving you better for the kingdom, better friends in this life. We ask it in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand before you're seated this morning. Thank you for his word. Hallelujah. Thank you for, for your word. You can be seated. Thank you for being in discipleship class today. You know, it seems there's a lot of things that uh, I guess can be preached and taught and done in, in services, but, um, you know, sometimes it's the, the small things that people end up having trouble with. You know, it, it's one thing we teach on being faithful, faithful in our attendance, and so you have someone who never misses a service, but they're not good with people, and so we don't want to leave the unthing, the small things undone because uh, you know, scripture, we've used it in principle that it's the small foxes that spoil the vine, and sometimes it's the little things that can cause us the most problems if we don't uh, know how to do it. You can have a very nice, expensive, well-made, and well-designed pair of shoes, but if you get a small rock in one of those shoes, uh, you're not going to reap the benefits so much. You're like, these shoes are supposed to be comfortable, but every step I take is painful. And if you would get that small, little bitty rock, it's amazing how something that small can, um, can really cause problems, but it will. It'll cause you discomfort. And some people will just go on walking rather than take the time to remove the shoe, find out what the problem is, and then be better. They'll just walk with the rock in their shoe. And that's the way some people are. They just feel like some things are not really that important, so they'll just go on being uh, uh, maybe being faithful in attendance but not very personable, not, uh, don't know how to communicate with people. Or, uh, but I want to know how to interact with people. I don't want to be a, a hermit. I don't want to be a recluse. I don't want to be, you know, I know that I am introverted, but I have tried very hard, especially as a pastor, to... Uh, to know how to interact with the people I pastor and not just be like, I'll be in the pulpit, and after that, get out of my way, I'm leaving. I know some pastors like that. When service is over, they're gone. They, you, you never see them. I know pastors that would not even give their phone number out. How, how do you reach them? You had to call another minister in the church to find him. So, I, I mean, that's the truth. So uh, I want to be a good friend. 
Jesus was a friend. I want to be a friend. And um, that doesn't mean, oh, we're going to lunch every day this week, or we're going shopping every day this week, or we're going to take vacations together. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about uh, your hangout, buddy. I'm, I'm talking about being a friend. Uh, if we really looked at the model of Scripture of what friendship is, uh, we would see that it can encompass some of the thoughts that we have about friendship, but it's also a lot different than, than we think that, you know, because you see BFF and my ride or die or whatever they call it now, you know, that that's the whole of friendship. But that's not it. It's, there's a lot of things that we learn through Scripture about being a friend that uh, you realize I don't have to see my friend every day to know that I have a friend. I know that because of who they are and who I am and, and who we both serve that we are friends. And uh, I could count on them whether I see them uh, once a year or, or once every 10 years. I know that I could count on them if I needed them because a friend loveth at all times. There's no uh, time span. There's no distance that erases that. And so as we learn to be good disciples, we want to learn to be good friends because uh, it's hard to help people uh, if you don't have, if you're not friendly, uh, and we want to help people, it's hard uh, for people to get next to you to help you if you're not a friend. We want to be a friend to people, help people out, and learn how to be our best uh, in everything we do. I, I want to be the best I can at my prayer life, in my fasting life. Well, I want to be the best in being a friend if I can be. So, uh, in Proverbs here, talk about faithful wounds, and there, there's scripture in stories that maybe you've never applied it, but um, that remind us that uh, good friends don't always agree. And uh, sometimes a friend may have to correct their friend. You know, there's a story, uh, we think about two uh, great people in the Old Testament or the New Testament, uh, the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul. Uh, Peter, of course, uh, he kind of stood out. I know there's not one above the other, but he kind of stood out among the 12 uh, disciples because he was very outspoken, very passionate about what he did. He made some very uh, foolish mistakes sometimes, but he was, you know, first to jump out and try to walk on water, and uh, he was the one always ready to answer, and he was the one that said, uh, when the Lord asked, who, who do men say that I am? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. So, um, because of that and that revelation he had, he, the, the Lord said, you, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. And, and so Peter was very instrumental in the work that Jesus was doing here. And even though, he, like I say, he had his ups and downs and had, made his mistakes, he was still, when you think about the 12, just about automatically Peter comes to mind first. Um, Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus, was known for something else. He was persecuting the church. He stood by while Stephen... Uh, was stoned to death. He was the first martyr of the New Testament church, and and Saul was there, consenting to that, and even had letters that he could bring people and lock them up, and uh, you know, do all kind of things to them if they were preaching the name of Jesus. And so he made the scripture actually said he made havoc of the church. He said he would enter into every house and drag men and women, drag them off, and put them in prison. So he was uh, conducting raids and and doing things against the church, and then. Uh, the Lord, of course, stopped him and knocked him down on the road to Damascus, gave him revelation. When he cried out, Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. 
So Saul met, meets Ananias. Ananias prays for him. He receives the Holy Ghost. He's baptized in Jesus' name. And he begins to preach the gospel that he persecuted and becomes great. He writes the majority of the New Testament for, New Testament for us. But um, we see that even though uh, Peter was great and Paul was great, that uh, they didn't always uh, maybe see eye to eye and even had a situation that we'll talk about a little later where there was a, a little confrontation there that was needed. Sometimes we need somebody who can talk to us plain who is our friend. <clears throat> we need to be able to receive that as well. Uh, nobody likes to be criticized, especially if you're doing your best. But wouldn't you rather do things right than continue going wrong? Uh, so when we receive criticism from a friend uh, or receiving criticism uh, is preferred to come from a friend, uh, I would rather hear it from somebody I know loves me than hear it from somebody who has no or very little regard for me or my feelings. Because some people will criticize you just because they're jealous or envious or they just don't like you. And if they see a chance to point out something wrong with you, they will just so it can hurt you. But a friend who loves you will pull you aside and talk to you honestly because they sincerely want to see uh, what's best for you. And hopefully our friends are offering criticism out of love and they give instruction that is for our benefit. I think the word criticism automatically draws a negative uh, connotation people are like well nobody wants to be criticized but if you are sometimes a critic will often say here's what's great about this they don't always offer negative advice sometimes they actually offer uh, good advice or they actually will give praise because they look at every aspect of it and then say you know a food critic he may go into a restaurant and say this is the worst food I've ever seen the service is terrible the lighting's bad this was it you know nothing good to say about it but then he may go to another one and rave review. Five stars, got it all. He's a critic, but he's telling the truth about what he thinks about that. Sometimes we have people in our lives who might be a critic, but it might be something we need to know because a lot of those restaurants live and die by what that critic says. And sometimes if we don't listen to what is being told, constructive criticism being given, if we don't listen to that, we will continue in our error and not get any better. I want to be better, and if sometimes it takes somebody to point that out. Don't ever think nobody ever has to tell me I'm doing it wrong because I'm not doing it wrong. You already got problems. <laughs> we have to have uh, that constructive criticism. In Galatians 6 and 1, there's uh, something that we uh, quote a lot of times. If a man be overtaken in a fault, now this is, you know, he's talking to the brethren. Brethren, church brother, if there's a man overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual. Well, right there, if you're spiritual, that means you're living according to the word of God. Uh, the words that he spoke were spirit in their life. And, and you're living in the spirit, walking in the spirit. You're being like Jesus. You're being a friend. So if, you're, if you are spiritual and you really are a friend, then restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. You don't come to them in a spirit of, I'm going to condemn you, I'm going to uh, make fun of you, I'm going to hurt you, but you do that in a spirit of meekness, 
so that, uh, and he said, consider in yourself, lest you also be tempted, because it could be, the roles could be and will be one day reversed, most likely, where you'll find yourself in a place that I need somebody to restore me, get me out of this fault I'm in. You know, somebody could be, uh, we think about this as only reaching backsliders, but it's not just backsliders. This is people that you go to church with that they find themselves caught up in something. And now they need somebody to point out, hey, that's not what we do. That's not the way we, we uh, uh, live. That's not the, the things we believe. And, and we, you see people that are overtaken in that. You need somebody that uh, will come and correct you. And if you know that they love you, uh, then you can trust what they're saying. It's just like, uh, you know, surely you have that kind of friend or you have uh, a parent in your life. Uh, I know that kids, especially growing up, uh, sometimes when they get in those teenage years, it's hard for them to hear what their parents are saying. But I promise you the parents are just trying to keep you safe, trying to make sure you're going to be better, trying to make sure you're going to have everything, and trying to keep you out of jail probably most of the time. Uh, you know, so... Um, you know, that's just the way it was. Um, so restore them in the spirit of meekness. Have, uh, you know, Jesus was meek and lowly, so restore them in the same spirit that Jesus would. Talk to them like Jesus would. We talked about the other day about the woman they caught in the, the very act of adultery, you know. And when he got up, he said, where are your accusers? Does nobody condemn you? And she said, no man, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So he gave her another chance. He was there with an offer of love, a chance to get it better, and, um, and to do it right. The next time, you know, get your life straight, uh, that's a friend that would just, honestly, he said, go and sin no more. So he, he let her know, I know what you were doing was wrong. I'm just not going to kill you for it. I'm going to help you overcome it. That's what a friend will do. It may hurt. It might sting. It might be... Uh, and even make you cry or even get angry at first, but you realize, hey, uh, I needed that. You know, when you got a switch or a belt applied to you, kids, they may not know much about that, but when we were coming up, if you got a belt or a switch, um, it makes you mad. And I'm sure there's been many of kids that turn around after they got that whooping and, and holler, I hate you. But you know better than that. They don't. But at that moment, but they needed that correction. And when and they don't see it then, but when they're older and wiser, you realize, I needed straightening out. One psalmist wrote, before I was afflicted, I went astray. You need somebody, sometimes you need some affliction to straighten you out. And so we got plenty of affliction coming up. Uh, it wasn't like we was beat every day. But if you did wrong, you got tightened up. So, um, you know, that was always the threat uh, when I stayed with my grandmother. She said, you just wait till your, parent, your mom and daddy gets here. I'm going to tell them. And so that would make you sit down faster than anything because uh, you didn't want that belt or something when they got there. But then she never would. They'd come in. Oh, no, they've been fine. And you're looking. And you realize that granny loves you. So, listen, as uh, you know, like I say, criticism, yes, it, it can be hard to take it sometimes. It's, it's not easy to get criticism even from a friend. I know sometimes friends, uh, when you pastor, you get these kind of calls. Somebody's calling, and they're, me and my, my friend, we've been fighting. We've, they said this, and I don't know why they said that. Now I'm, 
I'm so mad. And he's, you know, just, well, maybe, it's, do they love you? Well, yeah, I know. I, I, well, I thought they did. Well, no, they do. And they're just telling you this because they love you. And, and you have to work through all the emotions. So even getting criticism from your BFF or your ride or die, I don't know how many people has been kicked out of the car for receiving some criticism. <laughs> you know, I thought you was until you, until you didn't go right along with me. A friend will not always go right along with you. A friend will tell you, no, there ain't no way that's happening. You know, a good friend will keep you from jumping out of airplanes and things like that. So, you know, all these kids that jump out of airplanes around here, y'all need better friends because <laughs> so they need to tell y'all to stop jumping out of airplanes. No, what I'm saying, though, is, is a good friend will, will say, look, we're not going to do that. that or, you know, you don't need to do that. I love you. The problem is, is whenever we see, receive criticism, like I say, it's not easy to take because a lot of times we are really trying our best, but it's just not working. You know, you can, even in, uh, you know, life, uh, my wife will tell you that one of the deepest conversations we had early on in our marriage was um, she wanted to know if there was anything that could be done better in our house and you know, I want to be the best wife I can be. And, and man, of course, I already like, man, there ain't nothing else. But finally, one day I said, well, I'm, and I'm shortening it up a little bit for time's sake. But I said, well, there is one thing. And she's like, oh, boy, you know, I could tell by the look on her face. She, she was like, I didn't think you'd have anything to say. <laughs> and I said, you got to learn how to load that dishwasher. <laughs> you can't just put dishes anywhere in the dishwasher. There are certain slots for the dishes in the dishwasher. It drives me crazy. Maybe it's my, maybe I'm, I am OCD. I don't know, but, but I was honest. And, and, you know, I'm just trying, you know, she could have just been like, wham, slammed the door or something. But I wasn't trying to be ugly or hurtful. I was just saying, I just want the dishes to get clean. And, and so I just like them done like this certain way. And maybe it's just be liking it that certain way. I don't know. But, you know, She's and she's told me things before when I'm doing certain things. She'd, she'd be like, "You shouldn't do that," and I could be like, "I'm just trying to do my best." Well, maybe I am, but maybe somebody can help and point me in the right direction and say, "Here's a better way." You know, as a, in the scripture, uh, Apollos was a great man, but he wasn't quite on the mark until a couple of disciples said took him aside after they heard him preach. Man, he's eloquent. He's powerful when he speaks. But they pulled him aside and showed him a more perfect way. Now, he could have recognized, I'm a good speaker. And I don't know who y'all are. So y'all can just go, go on. I'm doing fine by myself. But instead, he took that. And even Paul writes about uh, Apollos in his letters and things and how uh, Apollos was, was preaching and baptizing people and doing things. So... Um, you know, Apollos needed a little point in the right direction. Man, you've got all the ingredients, but we need somebody to, you know. But it's easy sometimes to get a little, oh, I'm doing good. I got a little, you know, sometimes our, our ego gets in there just a, just a little bit, you know. It's all right. It, that's everywhere. Everybody would rather have a pat on the back than a slap in the face. Sometimes it's a slap in the face that brings you around and says, oh, I need to straighten up. I need to. Uh, fly right. I need to do what's right. So, uh, be ready to hear good instruction. Uh, there's a scripture that talks about that if a man 
um, will not sharpen the edge of his axe, that he has to put more strength to it when he's using it. In other words, if you, you know, you're sitting there beating a tree with a, with a dull axe, you might eventually get it down, but you're going to have to work a lot harder to do it. Sometimes you need somebody to walk up and say, hey, dummy, sharpen that thing. <laughs> hey, I've been working out here eight hours with this axe, and now you're going to come here and criticize what I'm doing. I'm just trying to help you get done. Because you're making me hurt watching you work with this thing. You know, I'm just trying to tell you, if you'll sharpen that thing, it'll go a lot easier for you. You'll get a lot more done. You'll be a lot better. Your technique's good. Everything. You, you, you're just not good with your tool right now. You need to use that, sharpen it, and use it right. And instead of being mad at them, why don't you go sharpen the axe and see if it works better. And then if it does, make sure you thank them for saying, I'm glad you fixed that little glitch in my work. Uh, you know, anybody that works a job or anywhere, you have a supervisor, somebody. Now, you have the kind of supervisor that will just come up and make you feel bad in front of all your other employees, telling you what you're doing wrong, or you have the one that pulls you aside and says, look, you're doing good with this, but this is going to work a lot better if you, you know, and point out, and it's constructive criticism. What you're doing is causing a little more work, but if you do it like this, this takes care of this and this, it works better. Be a good friend. Be the right kind of friend. Uh, because when you give criticism to a friend or receive criticism from a friend, that's going to test your relationship. Because you need to be the right kind of giver and the right kind of receiver. If you're going to give criticism, you need to do it in the right spirit and for the right motives and with the right attitude. Uh, if you are receiving it, you need to be ready to receive it right. Now, we know... At the Lord, we, when the Lord gets onto us, we, uh, no doubt, you're right, Lord, you're right, Lord. He, but if his church, if his, your brother or sister that's filled with his spirit and is your bosom buddy, your friend, somebody that you know you can trust, that you love so much and have loved them for years, tells you, hey, that's not the way you need to be going, why fall out with them? Why not listen and examine what's going on? So properly receiving and processing criticism can prove to be an opportunity for you to grow uh, in personal development, and it can also strengthen your friendship because, man, you have a, a newfound respect for somebody that will just be honest with you and tell you, hey, what you were doing wrong. You know, a very uh, maybe silly and light example would be uh, you know, if you and all your friends, you and your best friends, some other people were all sitting at the table at a restaurant eating and you had a big piece of spinach in your front teeth and your best friend noticed it and didn't say nothing. So for the next hour, you're just talking and laughing and grinning and taking selfies and things at the table and every picture's got that, that big piece of spinach up front and center. And you look at your friend and say, did you know that? Oh, yeah. Are you going to be mad at your friend? I hear y'all laughing, but are you going to be mad? They tagged me in that. <laughs> now, like 11,000 people have seen that. I'm laughing like a horse with a big piece of spinach <laughs> in my teeth. Why didn't you say something? Well, I didn't want to embarrass you in front of everybody. I, I figured you could feel it. You know, I don't know. It just... I thought it was it would inhibit your breathing or something, man. It was, and that's but that's 
that's it. That you know, even on and so if if we're afraid to mention things on a level like that, you know, they're not going to say anything else when it comes to something that's more a morality issue or things like that because well, I don't want to hurt them. Well, that's not being a good friend. You know, the Lord will tell us exactly. You keep doing that, you're going to be lost. And we're like, thank you, Lord. But if your Holy Ghost-filled friend that prayed you through and has been with you through thick and thin says, you can't keep doing that, you're going to be lost, I don't ever see you again. We're not the right kind of receiver. You need to take a step back and say, listen, number one, do they love me? I know they love me. And examine who it was, what they said, the spirit they said it in, and then look at yourself. And if it turns out to be true, have enough humility to say, you're right. I am spinning out of control, and thank you for helping me to see that because, you know, because what will happen is when they crash and burn, they'll say, nobody even cared. I had a church full of people, and nobody said nothing. Oh, what a shame to go down in flames, and nobody ever said anything. We need to be the right kind of friend that will give that kind of instruction, and then whenever it comes back to us, be the right kind of friend that can receive it. You know, I'm your friend and I trust you because you're my friend. I'm going to really pray about this. Will you pray about, you know, just have the right attitude because it will always make you better when you receive that criticism and then act on that. So when the writer said in our opening verse about, um, you know, wounds of a friend, uh, it can be trusted. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. So you can trust these even though it's a wound. It hurt. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And, you know, uh, if somebody's always coming up, patting you on the back, and in other words, just giving you an, an affirmation of what's going on and never, ever saying anything uh, to correct you or steer you right or just, uh, you know, just a, a yes man, everything you do. Oh, yeah, that's good. You're doing good. Uh, that's deceitful because it will cause you to continue in your error. And so empty words and vain flattery, those are deceitful. And at first, they might be pleasant to, the, to, to hear that. But when the words are insincere and false affections are offered with impure motives, then the sting of the deception becomes uh, uh, more biting and more bitter to us. We, we realize that, hey, they didn't help me at all. It's just like they were pouring grease on the, on the ramp I was on, sliding out of control. They, 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 just, they didn't help me at all. Um, often in our desire to be affirmed and say, hey, we're doing good, then we start craving compliments. You have to be careful about that in ministry, especially young ministers, that uh, you know, if, if somebody doesn't come up and pat them on the back and tell them they did the best job ever tonight, well, you know, they feel like nobody likes them. But you don't preach for that. You don't minister for that. You don't pray for people for that. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's good. People, you know, when they compliment you, sure, that's great. But if that's why you're trying to preach, well, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Um, you're, you're, we're here for a calling, and we're here. God's going to take care of our reward one day. What I want to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. And so, yeah, yeah, it's nice when you, you preach and somebody says, man, that was just what I needed today. But, but if that's why you're preaching, to hear that. Uh, listen, you need to know already when you're preaching that God's word is going out and it won't return void. So whether anybody says so or not, God's word's going to do what it said it would do. So be ready for that. Um, so don't always 
I'm trying to get that compliment. And uh, what we really need is to hear words from a, a very trustworthy friend who would just tell us the truth. The satisfaction of an honest assessment from a loving friend is more meaningful than the, the sugar-coated rush of an empty uh, accolade from somebody who's being more kind of smug and hypocritical about it, you know, just don't really mean it, just uh, just saying something so, you know, they might be saying it so somebody else can hear them compliment you, so they say, oh, you're so nice to compliment them like that. They, you know, people like that, they're always trying to, to make themselves look better or look some way. Uh, the Proverbs 27, 7, the next uh, verse that we read, one who is full when a person is full or full soul, he loatheth or he can't stand, even stand a honeycomb. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. And so, uh, you know, when somebody is full of themselves and thinks I've got it all together, they can't even take a compliment uh, because they feel like I know it already. And I don't need your little words to say anything to me, but... Uh, but somebody who's hungry, and I think about it like this, somebody who is hungry and thirsting after righteousness, it doesn't matter. Uh, I just want everything I can. I'm hungry for any way I can be more like Jesus. So if, uh, if I get a little chastisement, if I get a little criticism, a little correction, if it's going to make me better, you know, when you're just trying to be more like Jesus, even the bitter things are sweet. Even when you have to get set down sometime and the pastor has to sit down and talk to you and or your friend has to sit you down and say, hey, we need to talk. And, and they're telling you things. And, man, it's really, um, it, it hurts. It's injuring you for the moment. But you realize that this is for my betterment. This is for my good. You don't always get it right off the bat. Uh, you know, but if you'll, again, step back. Don't just say, well, you're only a good friend if you're lifting me up. No, they're a better friend if they're pulling you out of the fire, they're a better friend if they're telling you you're headed down the wrong road. Uh, you know, uh, you don't need to see that person anymore. You, you know, sometimes your friend knows. They know things. God put them in there for a reason. Two are better than one. The Lord knows we need people. We need friends. Hey, you're. A, it's funny. You'll be applauding your friend because in in some service God used them to discern something and speak a word, and it was just exactly right on all that stuff. And as soon as they speak a word to you, you ain't my friend. <laughs> now, about a few hours ago in service, you was talking about, oh, the Lord used you so great today and so mightily today, and, man, that was awesome. God gave you that discernment. Yeah, and he gave me some discernment about this catch you dating too, and you need to put him in the wind, or you need to put her in the wind. And, and, and oh, you just don't like him. You're just jealous because you ain't got nobody in you know, before you know it, you're mad, hanging up, blocking them, deleting them out of your phone, don't want to talk to them no more, telling everybody all their businesses. But if you'd step back and realize this person loves me and they just want the best for me, uh, I trust them. And so, yeah, that might be hard to hear from some of your friends sometimes, but if they're really your friend, you don't need to always be one giving advice. You need to be able to receive advice or criticism also. And that would, that's, helps your friend because it's hard sometimes to tell people that you love, hey, you shouldn't do that because you love them. You don't want to hurt them. You don't want them to feel, and you don't want them to feel bad. But I don't want them to be lost. 
my closest friend in the world is my wife. And me and her both have, we made this agreement way, way, way back that, you know, if we ever see one another, anything, because, uh, you know, getting all, offline, off the mark, we're going to tell each other because I love her so much here. I want to make sure she, she gets to heaven and she wants to make sure I get to heaven. And she's told me since we started pastoring, she said, you're not just my husband, you're my pastor. And she said, don't not tell me something just because you love me. Because sometimes, even though you love somebody, you know, you might not always be honest because, again, you're afraid to hurt them. But if you love them, tell them. Tell them, you know, not, and tell them, of course, if you really love them, you'll tell them in the right attitude, in the right spirit, and you'll be a good friend, and, and those kind of wounds are uh, the wounds of a, that faithful friend. You know, it's going to always work something better in your life. When a true friend sees through our false front and exposes our flaws, then we have to choose how we're going to respond to that friend's correction. It's a choice. I can choose to get mad and get angry and be bitter, or I can choose to listen to what they're saying and understand that, mm. you know, if you can't be honest with yourself, you can't be honest with anybody. You shouldn't try uh, you know, if you can't be honest with yourself, then you shouldn't even try to give correction to anybody else. You have to understand yourself. The scripture tells us to examine ourselves, and if we if we are giving close examination to ourselves, we know when things are are wrong. And so, when somebody brings it up, we shouldn't act surprised. We already know. We just not want to admit it. Didn't want to face that. We were really like that. Sometimes people have a problem. You know. It, in this world, maybe it's, you know, if somebody, I know uh, you see families that have to deal with someone who may have a drinking problem in their family. And the person says, I don't have a problem. Yeah, I drink every once in a while. It's no problem. It's a problem. They love you, and they're trying to help you with it. And the guy has to choose, or the woman has to choose. Will I be mad at them and, and be worse, or will I go ahead and admit what I already know? Yeah, it is a problem. Because I can't stop. I'm doing this all the time. I'm sneaking around to do it. I'm trying to hide that I'm doing it. Then it's a problem. And you have to be able to. And you already know that. But you just didn't want nobody to shine the light on it. And so sometimes we just don't want that light shined on us. But it, we need that if we're going to be better and make it all the way home. That's what I'm trying to do. So it's our choice how we respond when somebody close to us provides correction. If we reject our friend's honesty, then we may reciprocate or reciprocate. Oh, I have a hard time with words like that. In a manner that will be a detriment to our friendship. It could drive a wedge in our relationship and attempt a continuation of deception in our projected image. If we embrace honesty in our relationship, then we may learn something helpful uh, about ourselves in the process of this evaluation. Because a true friend will always have your best interest at heart if you're a true friend when you're talking to someone you will talk to them because you have their best interest at heart not because you're jealous of them or mad at them or want to see them tripped up or hurt or or they're always in the spotlight if I can knock them down a notch you know uh, don't don't be like that if you feel yourself about to say something to somebody and, and you can feel that that kind of spirit raising up then just keep your mouth shut I'm not in the right place. Maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's even the right advice 
giving in the wrong spirit. See, that's the thing. And so if you know I am not in a place to address this right now because I'm, I feel like I'm going to gloat a little bit when I say this or I'm going to really feel like I'm knocking them down if I say this. So I'm not in the right place to tell them uh, about this right now. And you need to pray about that. And, and you might not be the messenger. And you need to pray somebody else will open their eyes to that because my heart's not in a right place to tell them what they need to hear because I'm, I need to work on myself. So while criticism may cause us to question uh, the loyalty of a friend, uh, and it will, sometimes you'll be like, I really thought they was my friend. Have you ever said that about somebody? Man, I thought, or maybe thought it to yourself. I thought they were my friend. Well, they are. You just, that's the first time you ever had to get that little sting from them that, hey, you need to tighten up. What? What about all the things you do wrong? What? It doesn't mean that the person that is bringing criticism is perfect. They just know you and they see something that's going on. Don't, don't think that. We're not saying that the one giving criticism is, well, they're altogether perfect and that's why they can criticize. That's not true. They've got their own issues to deal with. It doesn't change the fact that you have issues too. You know, if you have issues and they have issues, work on your issues, you know, but... Uh, don't think, well, I, 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 can't, I can't offer any correction because I've got things going on in my life. If you know that, then you should go to somebody in a spirit of humility, realizing that, hey, I know I'm not perfect. Uh, but, you know, sometimes that keeps us from saying anything at all. Or I'm afraid they're going to say, why are you judging me? I'm not judging you. I'm your friend. I'm just trying to say I, I love you and I see what's going on. This is not healthy for you. Well, you don't know me. Oh, I guess I do know you. I've been your best friend for 15 years. I know who you are. You know, uh, don't get defensive. Receive that, that criticism in the right spirit and grow by it. It helps you, and it helps the person who gave you the advice as well. So um, it, when we're doing that, instead of questioning that loyalty, it might be helpful to understand that the motive of a true friend bringing correction is not to destroy you but to add value to you. They want to help you. Consider how difficult it might be for someone to talk to you about that. Because it's not, like I said, it's not easy to bring correction a lot of times. And uh, it's like that works in the, in the ministry and preaching. You know, I can't believe the pastor was preaching like that today. Boy, he was just, consider how hard it is for your preacher to preach on some of these subjects. Oh, it, it'd be nice to just preach about healing and miracles all the time. That'd be great. But sometimes you've got to preach about things and say, you can't do this. Scripture bears this out. This is against the Word of God. And he knows when, after he's done preaching and it's nothing but people staring at him the whole time he's preaching. You think about how hard that is for that preacher to say those things. And, yeah, I'd rather get you up running around and flipping around in the floor. That'd be a lot better, wouldn't it? But sometimes you've got to say, thou shalt not. <laughs> yeah. And people are, what? I just want you to preach, I can do. And so, and so we do. We preach, I can do. But sometimes we preach, thou shalt not. And the only reason your preacher is preaching that is because he wants to see you saved and going to heaven. If he is saying, hey, you're getting close to the edge right there, he's not trying to be ugly to you. He loves you. Uh, he should. I hope that anybody comes here and knows I love them. But I will preach to you things, as, and it might sting or it might hurt your toes. 
sometimes. Some of them, I'm, I don't know how they got no feet left because they said I didn't tore their toes up so bad all the time. Yeah, I'm looking at you. But I wouldn't step on your toe unless I loved you. <laughs> Everybody's going to be running from me today. I love you. I, I'm trying to help you. And so realize and consider that, man, why is, why is Pastor mad at me? He's not mad at anybody. He shouldn't be. If he's mad, then he ought to just remove himself from the pulpit that day. He shouldn't preach under anger like that uh, where it's destructive anger, you know. And uh, he's got to have the right spirit bringing the word. But then as saints of God, we have to have the right spirit receiving the word and realize, hey, you know what? He's preaching on that and that don't apply to you. Why did it bend you out of shape? Maybe it wasn't for you, but it was for somebody. You know, uh, he's trying to preach what God has laid on his heart. And that word is a sharp, two-edged sword. And it pierces. And so, so that means it, it makes a wound. But it, it helps us to be better. The Bible says that the ministry was given for the perfecting of the saints. So um, he's just trying to help you be complete. And sometimes uh, that involves some correction. Hey, not that he's trying to call you out in front of anybody uh, uh, you know, or anything like that. He's just trying to help you be better so that you can make it all the way home. That one day uh, he'll hear the Lord look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And he can finally go, Whew, I didn't know if he was going to make it. I, I tell you, I wondered about that one. <laughs> I'm glad they're here. Praise God. And so... Being a, a good friend means that um, sometimes you may say things that cause a wound. Sometimes you might be the one getting wounded. But realize that it's, it's for the right thing. A, a, a surgeon, if he has to remove something that's dangerous, uh, a growth or something that's hindering you, is hurting you, is going to cause you to die, he has to make a wound. He's got to open you up so he can get in there and get that out, and then he closes it up. And you know what? For a while, it's sore, and it's tender, and every time you move, you remember it. But you also know, I'm better. And so sometimes, every time you see that friend, it might, oh, but I am better. It hurt. It was, you know, it, it really, it, maybe it embarrassed me a little bit. Maybe it hurt my pride and ego a little bit, but... I am better, and I will be better, and eventually this will just be a little little scar right here that I'll always remember where this was operated on and it was taken out. And I'm glad I had somebody in my life that told me to stop doing that. Like I, I'm glad somebody told me to stop wearing the mullet and cut your hair. I'm glad somebody finally said, get that ugly haircut off. And by the way, if anybody's seen these articles about the mullet coming back, I, I will preach against the mullet. <laughs> Just so you know. Guys, I'm telling you, you come on up in here with a mullet, I'm going to be up here with a pair of scissors. And uh, so, you, that no. Mm -mm. There's a reason dinosaurs and mullets left. <laughs> they didn't have no place here anymore. So, let that go. That's worldliness. Let it alone. <laughs> oh, mercy. How about a hush? Honey, come on to the music. We're getting ready to stop. It's difficult sometimes to ask for help 
but our most valuable resource sometimes is to request counsel from a friend. Sometimes we know things are, you know, when we're the one needing criticism, we realize it, and we may have to ask somebody, go to that friend, and, and, and you ever went to him and said, look, be honest with me. Have you ever done that, talking to somebody? I said, look, I just need you to be honest with me. <clears throat> but then you're not so sure after they start talking. You got to be that honest. You know, no, we want to be honest, completely honest. We want to be a good friend. So if we ask for advice or counsel from a friend, then we must be ready to receive it, even if it's not what we want to hear. We talk about that in prayer. Well, when you pray and you ask God, you've got to be ready for him to say no sometimes. Oh, is this the right one? No, they're not. Oh, but God, they're so cute, and they they you know, they got a good job, and uh, not the right one. Sorry, not the one for you. Oh, I'm sorry, it's not the right one. They're going to drag you down. You've got ministry to do. They're not ministry minded. They're going to whatever the reasons are. And uh, if you stay with them, you'll end up in a bad place. So just doesn't work. You know, uh, so God says, no. Well, we got well, we pray about things. God, is this the right job to take? It's going to be a lot of money. No. Oh, but it's a good job. I said, how many times I got to say no? You know, be ready to receive what you get in prayer. You'll be ready to receive that when you ask advice and counsel. You, 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 has anybody ever, you ever talked to somebody and then you tell them they get mad and they get mad at you and you go, well, you asked. Well, you, you asked. Oh, so I answered. And if you answer, in, if the one answering is in the right spirit, then you need to be ready to receive it in the right spirit. When we open up to receive honest counsel, then uh, we are granting liberty for disagreement. It's okay if you disagree sometimes. You know, we talked about, I got to finish up. We talked about Paul and Peter at the beginning, both great, great figures in the New Testament, great men of God, and wrote some you know, the greatest letters that we preach from in the New Testament. But there was a time, and you read about it in the book of Galatians, that Peter, he had, he had a problem. The, there were a lot of Jewish people who were trying to make the Gentiles uh, take on Jewish customs of circumcision, dietary laws, things like that. Even after they were converted into Christianity, they wanted them to line up with all the Jewish customs. Well, Peter always... He had a problem with things like that. I mean, it's even revealed before he went to Cornelius' house when the Lord said, rise, slay, and eat. And he said, not so, Lord. Nothing unclean has ever touched my lips. And, you know, he even argued with God about, about that point until uh, God showed him, if I've cleansed it, you don't call it common and unclean. So anyway, we move forward. We find that Peter is in a place in Antioch where he's with the Gentiles, and he's hanging out with them. He's eating with them. And they're just fellowship and being there together you know they're holding the same body but when some of these Jews showed up that don't believe in hanging out with the Gentiles Peter withdrew and would not hang around them and even Barnabas was caught up in it and and they wouldn't have anything to do with the Gentiles when Paul saw it he said I would stood Peter to his face and in front of them all he said I, I called him out in front of everybody I said if if you're a Jew and you're living like a, you know, like a Gentile and you don't live like the Jews, then why are you trying to get the Gentiles to live like a Jew? He said, it's not right. 
He said, because even us, us Jews, we had to believe in Christ and believe on him. And so we, it's not right for you to be doing this. It's, it's causing a problem, Peter. And Peter, there's no rebuttal. You don't hear any words that Peter said back. It's not recorded anywhere that Peter said anything. But you do read that Peter wrote about Paul. And he talked about how Paul's writings were, were, were wonderful and fantastic. And he wrote things that were hard to be understood sometimes. But he, he gave Paul praise and, and he was still his friend. He realized Paul's not trying to destroy me. Peter knew that was wrong. It's no different than when the Lord rebuked him uh, and told him, get behind me, Satan. Peter knew he had issues and he received it right. And Peter continues on serving the church and serving the Lord. And so whenever you hear something like that, if, if you, you know, if the Lord rebukes you, if your friend rebukes you and tells you, hey, that's not right. Well, then, you know, if he's honest and he's being sincere, receive it in the right spirit. It'll make you better. Might hurt for a while, but it'll make you better. So faithful wounds, the wounds of a faithful friend, they only, they only help you and make you better. Let's stand together this morning. I want to be better as a friend. And, I, and so I hope that when I can, I can be a lookout for my friends. You know, there used to be a slogan, maybe it still is, but uh, when they were really working against, they were trying to cut DUIs down and, and alcohol-related driving fatalities, they would say, friends, don't let friends drive drunk. If they're really your friend, then you don't let them get in a car like that and, and go. And even if you're one of the same kind of people, you, know, you, you just you don't do that. You, well, they'll get mad at me. They'll get angry at me. They'll, well, they might, but you might save their life. If you take their keys and throw them off in the river so they can't drive nowhere, you might have lost their keys, but you saved their life maybe or saved somebody else's life. And uh, when they sober up, they'll realize that. And so uh, I want to be that kind of friend that I wouldn't just watch my friends walk off into something that would kill them. But I would tell them, hey, that's not the life for you. And that's not what God called you to. And, and do it in the right spirit. Let's lift our hands and pray together. Lord, we love you this morning and thank you that you've given us instruction, a blueprint in your word, how we can be that friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Lord, let us have the right attitude. Lord, let us 